Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. Hi there. I'm really happy to be with you today for a show that's going to be a little different. My guest today is Nancy Picard, and she's a certified integrative coach through the Ford Institute for Transformational Training and the Levin Life Coach Academy. She's certified as a breakthrough shadow coach, empowered parent coach, courage coach, healing your heart coach, leadership coach, holistic lifestyle coach, and bigger, better, braver coaching. I want to go into all the pieces of Nancy, and I'm going to give you a longer than usual bio because it's truly important to where I want this podcast to go. So to go on from there, she's an author as well of international bestseller, Bigger, Better, Braver, Conquer Your Fears, Embrace Your Courage, Transform Your Life. Now, I'm going to bring Nancy on up with me. I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks, Elaine. I'm happy to be here. Well, I just think it's critically important that I give people an idea of just all the facets of you because I think they totally relate to everything we talk about on this podcast. So I'm, I'm getting right back into it because I'm going to keep giving some info about Nancy. Prior to your work as a coach, you owned and operated a personal training gym called Tight Ends Inc. Ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. Nancy knows what it takes to help people achieve big goals. She holds multiple personal training certifications and has focused on health and wellness for almost 20 years. Her path towards coaching was a natural evolution. She has a BS in psychology and an MS in education. Now, here's something super cool. 2017, she traveled alone in Thailand and Vietnam and undertook her biggest challenge, climbing Kilimanjaro. Now, she, like me, is open about her age. She did that at age 61. Hard to believe when you look at her. Coaching others to step out of fear and into bigger versions of themselves is her passion. She's a mom of two grown sons, an active grandmother to three beautiful granddaughters and a one-year-old grandson. She's an avid hiker, biker, skier, and yogi. And she's also passionate about her four-year-old Australian Labradoodle, Bliss. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you with me today. Thank you. I'm really happy to be here. That was some bio you read. Well, I, I could have kept going for like another five minutes. That's that's pretty incredible. But I wanted I wanted our audience to understand why we're going to go down this road that's a little bit different. 
normally uh, on the podcast, we have people sharing their stories and they're not always fun stories. They're stories about their journeys, sometimes to the precipice, sometimes being there for someone else who has taken their own life. Today, instead, we're going to be talking about the tools and the possibilities that you have to make sure you don't have to make that journey, to make sure that those around you get the opportunity to not take that journey. And we're going to delve into some areas that some people may not know an awful lot about. That is, I believe, the shadow self. Am I correct? Shadow work, yeah. Shadow work. Okay. So without further ado, since I've been talking now for what feels like 15 minutes, I'm going to say welcome, Nancy. Why don't you give us a little insight into what you bring to the table in this kind of a scenario? Okay, I'd love to. So it's two different mixes. I'm a shadow coach and I'm also a healing your heart coach. And there are definitely similarities, but the shadow work helps you uncover beliefs that were formed in the first 10 years of your life that are buried in your subconscious that you're not aware of, but they rule your operating system. So if you have a belief that you're not good enough or your needs don't matter, or you're unlovable, or you need to fix everything to be loved, or you, you know, you're broken, um, no one will ever choose you, all of these kinds of beliefs, those play such a big part in people's lives. And if they don't uncover them, then what they do is they attract people and situations into their life over and over again to prove that that limited belief. You know, our brain wants to be right. So if you think you're not good enough, then you're going to keep getting people in your life that are going to make you feel like you're not good enough. Or you're going to bottom feed. You're only going to attract and want to be with people that are like, in your mind, you think, oh, they'll, they'll take me because I'm nothing and they're nothing. And so we're a great fit. Uh, so that's one whole part of it is uncovering beliefs that you're not aware of that are ruling your operating system so that they can stop ruling your operating system. And so you can start to come up with new empowering beliefs that are in your conscious, not in your unconscious or your subconscious, and that they actually they will support the new version of you, the adult version of you. So we all have wounded children inside of us. We've got a wounded child. And then what happens is that wounded child learns ways to adapt. And that child is called the adaptive child. But the adaptive child is still playing out its wounds. So when you see people all the time get angry or triggered or upset by other people, it's their adaptive child because that wound is always open. Right. Right. Then we have this conscious adult mind. And if we can learn to become that conscious adult instead of the adaptive or the wounded child, we'll be more emotionally whole. We won't do, we won't, think our life is over or that there's nothing we can do about it 
or everything is our fault, we will be able to make changes that until you uncover those, you really won't be able to, to make or change. That's such a really good point. And, and I know for my generation, okay, the old adage was children should be seen and not heard. So as a child, me in particular, because I always love to talk, I was always told, hush, hush, you have just, just be quiet, just be quiet. And it, it does, it does come into the subconscious later in life because uh, I had to learn that it was absolutely fine for me to speak up. I did not have to attract people who always wanted to shush me. <laughs> right. Or, or the belief that your voice doesn't matter. So if you have a belief that your voice doesn't matter, then you never voice your opinion. You never let people know you're unhappy. You never let people know your needs are not being met. Because why would you? Because your voice doesn't matter. So you can go through life in so much pain, but not believe there's anything you can do about it. Because your voice doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. And and I suppose that's, I'm sure that's only one side or, or one option uh, in all those limiting beliefs that we can be brought up with. Right. Do, do you find with, say, millennials forward that children are growing up with more or different or less of these limiting beliefs? The thing is, it's not possible to grow up without these beliefs. It's not possible. We are meaning-making machines. And I have so many clients who have had horrendous childhoods, horrendous, you know, abuse, um, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, so much. And it doesn't matter. We all kind of funnel down in different ways to I'm not good enough because like for me, I was brought up to believe I was really special and I could do anything. And then after 26 years of marriage, when my husband no longer wanted to be married, well, then I guess I wasn't that special anymore. So special and unworthy are on the same spectrum at different ends. We all get there eventually. Right. And that's not to say that people with, with really bad childhoods don't suffer from a lot of beliefs and problems that I don't suffer from, which it's true. I'm not, I'm not in any way saying we're all in the same boat, but we don't, we can't grow up and not have limiting beliefs because our inner critic is formed to keep us safe. And so as a child, all of these beliefs, they do keep us safe. As we get older, they keep us small. They just keep us small. So, I mean, I'm in the house right now with a seven-year-old, a six-year-old, and a 14-month-old. And I can see, like, my daughter-in-law was, was doing the hair of the six and the seven-year-old this morning to go to school. And the 14-month-old, like, went crazy because she was giving the two girls the attention. She's the stepmom. And he, like, basically threw himself onto her so she could nurse him. 
and she's yeah. trying to do the hair and it was basically I, i'm thinking to myself all right he's gonna go up saying my needs will never be met yeah right yeah. Yeah. and yet 24 7 his needs are being met are being met so, yeah yeah so i you can't get through life without them and and that's a really really good point because you know i i have nothing to complain about i i have a, a good childhood you know yes people shush me but it's not in in the larger scheme of things that is not a, a really big deal but i do understand that we we come to have these limiting beliefs in order to keep us safe because if you watch children under seven okay they have they're they're much more self-involved than children even slightly over seven the children are are learning to adapt at that age because of all the i guess the the stimuli that comes in all the the limiting beliefs but also the other messages that they're picking up from friends and family and and school chums that you are not the center of the universe right right i said to my daughter-in-law that was actually really good for him to see because yeah. only children grow up thinking they are the center of the universe and then all of a sudden they get out in the real world and they're like oh yeah i guess i'm not that special <laughs> yeah that's not that's not good either so right what what can we do or how can we facilitate some kind of growth for the children coming so that they can get the lesson faster i guess it's it's where i want to go with that rather than than dragging around yeah. the limiting beliefs how do we arm them if you will well i think that if you start to see your kids um, like being fixed mindset versus growth mindset, you can start to tell that they're, they're not really as resilient. They're not as willing to try new things. You can notice that. And then you can change what you talk about. Like my book is Bigger, Better, Braver. And I can tell you that my grandchildren call me up and say, Nana, I, did, I was bigger, better, braver today. I did this. I did that. So I actually talk more to my children, my grandchildren, not about being successful, but about, oh, you tried something that you were afraid of and you did it anyway, that the juice is in the journey. I don't care if you're the best biker or hiker yeah. or skier, but you got out there and you played and you tried. That's yeah. what's more important. So teaching your children, number one, to be resilient. Yes. Don't fix everything. Don't helicopter them, let them fail, let them fail often so that they can learn that they can fail and get up again yeah. and again and again. When my marriage fell apart, the, we went to a therapist and she actually said, you know, because your marriage in 26 years didn't really have any bumps in the road. When you guys hit your bump, you thought it had to be over. Yeah. Where people who have had bumps and recovered and had bumps and recovered didn't have to be over. It's the same right. with your kids. 
Uh, absolutely. It's funny. I, I have a friend uh, in California who uses the term failibration mm. because she believes I like it. it's much better to celebrate yeah. your failures. Yeah. Because like let's that. be honest, yeah. any big success out there, they'll tell you they failed multiple times. Before you can become a success, you, you have to fail because humans by nature are comparative. That's how we learn. And is that Just not? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, you know, if, if kids didn't try again, none of us would walk. <laughs> the first time, yeah, the first time you fell down, that would be it. Okay, right. we'd be a bunch of, right. of slithering critters. We don't but, do our, our children any favor when we overtake responsibility for them. Yes. We do not yes. do them any favors. So. And when they, for instance, hurt themselves, and it's over, it's in the past. Is it better to, I don't know, cosset them about being nervous about an old injury? Or is it better to have them go forward fresh and new, not concerned about what had happened? I, mean, I really kind of need a better, can you give me an example? Yeah, if if um, if a child jumps into a pool, okay, mm -hmm. or or is playing with other kids in the pool, and they get dunked before they're ready by by other kids, mm -hmm. rather than prepping them for that possibility every time they go into a pool, mm -hmm. is it not better to maybe prep them for a good time? And, and just let that fade in the background, maybe? Yeah, I'm not sure it will fade. Because, so it's better to actually have a conversation about it. What do you think we made it mean about you, right? How can you yeah. look at that differently? Like, were they just playing and it was an accident? So that they yeah. actually don't end up with a shadow belief about, you yeah. know, I'm every time I go in the pool, I'm not safe you know, yeah. or people are out to hurt me or whatever, actually talk about it so that it doesn't get buried and it's in the conscious. And then, yeah, go back out there. Show them it can be fun. But bad things do happen. Yes. Accidents happen. Bad things happen. So again, it comes down to resiliency. Resiliency. I think that um, if you're talking about children who kill themselves, who commit yes. suicide, they may not have the resiliency or they may think one bad day or one bad week or one bad month is going to be their life. And yeah. it's not, but they can't see beyond that because they actually haven't learned to be resilient. Right. And that, you know, you have a whole life out there until the moment you take your life and then it's over. There's no chance yeah. after that to fix it. So yeah. in terms of suicide for people who um, have tried to kill themselves and have not, that's not a failure. That's actually a success. But what did you learn from that? 
Yes. How can you stop yourself next time? How do you forgive yourself so that you don't carry the burden into the future? As long as you carry the burden or the stigma or the shame or the guilt with you, you will not move into the future whole and clean. And Thank you. that's actually a choice, 100% your responsibility to make. You may need help finding that forgiveness, finding how to do that, but that's the goal. The goal is to learn how to let go of all of the shaming and the blaming Yeah, and be grateful that you're still here because now you have a chance to do things better and different and move on. Absolutely. So in terms of resilience, what are some things that parents can do early on with their kids to make sure that they are learning to be resilient? Let them fail. Let them fail. Let them fail often. Talk about your own failures. I tell my clients to sit around the, the table and say, what did you do today that didn't work out? Like, this is how I failed today. I tried this in a meeting and it fell flat or I set up this and it didn't really work. So what I'm going to do with my failure is look and ask myself some questions and see how I can do it differently. That's the conversations you want to be having at your dinner table. What did you do that you were afraid to do and you did it anyway? Those are the conversations. And then let them fail. Like we're so busy trying to save our kids and not let anybody have any bad days or bad feelings. That's not life. We all fall. We all fall. How long we stay down is up to us. It's a choice. Absolutely. And so teaching our children that it's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to not know how to do something. It's okay to ask for help. Get them to be really comfortable with their feelings. Yes. And that there are no wrong feelings. There are no wrong qualities. Everything is part of being emotionally whole. And so that they're not shaming and blaming. And they're not only trying things that they're good at. And that when they fall, they can learn to pick themselves back up. I think that's really great. I think it's really important information. On that note, what about winning and losing? As a child, is it, do you think it's important, you know, if, if we can celebrate our failures, if we can laugh at ourselves, learn and move on, then is it not better to allow some winners because life is not a level field it really isn't and yes it's wonderful that you showed up and i i do understand participation is great but is there not some point that that winners are in some way important to development yes i personally I think that this whole thing, I mean, I understand like T-ball when they're really, they're five years old and they're all yeah. going out there. And I can remember when my kids were five years old and they were playing 
soccer and it would be like 60 to four and at the oh, end yeah. of the team the four, the ones with four would be saying did we win like you know yeah um but yes i think that you have to have winners and losers because i think it's more important for the the losers are going to get more out of it they're going to learn yeah. to be able to lose with great knees better than the winners if you're always a winner the first time you fail you're going to not not only the first time you fail, are you going to flip out, but you're going to end up with a fixed mindset, which means that if you can yes. only do things where you're going to be a winner, your, your lens of what you're willing to do is going to get shorter and smaller and smaller and yeah. smaller. Yeah. Where if you can lose and pick yourself up and try something new and keep going and learn from it. And then more importantly, if you lose and then you start to get better, that's the growth. Yes. Look how far I've come. I've stuck with it and I got better. Yeah. I mean, those are the life lessons hovering over your kids. And, you know, I dated a guy once whose kids quit the high school sports because they were sitting on the bench. They weren't getting played. And I'm thinking my kids sit on a bench for a whole year. Yeah, mine and too. And ended up being varsity. I mean, like, you, they can't quit because they're sitting on the bench. Let them work hard to get better, yeah. and they'll get off the bench. Both of those kids never ended up being successful to this day. Okay. To this day, hopefully they will. But they're 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 out of college. It took like a hundred years for them to graduate college, and they're not thriving yet. And hopefully they no. will. But they did not learn the right lessons. No, and and I think I think that's really important, and uh, you know it it was hard as a child when you would play games with adults, and they didn't always let you win, but when you did win, it felt better. Mm -hmm. You know, they it's a it's a different feeling, and I think that's important for kids to understand that you can't you can't yeah, win all the time never, my mother never let us win she mm -mm. would never tell me that a drawing was good if she didn't think it was like she no she took honesty to the other extreme yeah but yeah <laughs> no and and uh, i think i think i prefer that yeah um, you don't always in the moment right <laughs> Right. But but uh, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's better. It makes us more well-rounded people. And I think it's really important. I think being graceful in defeat is a really important skill that's not just valuable as a child or as a person, but becomes incredibly important in business. For everything, yeah. life in general. Yeah. In general. How to be a good winner, how to be a good loser, how to learn from your mistakes. You know, I tell people to become the observer instead of the reactor in their life. Yes. If you can become the observer, then you get an opportunity to ask yourself those, those great questions. You know, why did this happen? How do I support myself? How do I do things better next time? Um, what am I making this mean about me? All of those questions are great questions. Yeah. And it's, it's I think, important to say that 
if you fail in something and you try again and you try again and you keep failing, there are some things we're just not going to be good at. Yeah. I, I am the world. Right. Yeah. I'm the world's worst typist. And, and <laughs> now I think it's wonderful because I don't have the hand-eye coordination. But had I let that become a major issue, it could have stopped me doing many, many things because right. it's a day-to-day -day thing. Right. And you have to, I mean, you have to also be honest with your limitations. I, I, yeah. I started playing pickleball a year or so ago and I love it, but I was so bad when I started that it was <laughs> laughable, which was part of the fun. It was well, fun yeah. to be bad at something. Yeah. And now I'm good at it, but yet I taught my kids to play and my daughter-in-law to play. And like within very little time, they're better than I am. And it's partly <laughs> annoying. And then it's partly, I have to say, okay, I'm 65 and they're 37. Like, yep. give it up, girl. It's got to be okay. <laughs> right? So yeah. it's interesting. You have to know, you have to know your what you're really good at and what your limitations are. And you have to be okay with both. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, okay. That right there is a critical uh, lesson that we have to learn is to be okay, not being great at everything. Mm -hmm. Because, well, let's face it. If everybody was great at everything, everything would be boring. If everybody was exactly the same and we all did things well, oh my God, that would be horribly boring. You have to honor your awesomeness and your flossomeness. Yes. yes. Uh, that's very, very well said. Embrace your flaws and also embrace what you do well, which for a lot of people is even harder like, so we are so used to beating ourselves up. Our negative internal dialogue is used to beating us up. It's harder for so many of my clients to admit that they're pretty or that they're smart or that they're funny or that they're loved or any of those things. It's much easier to say, I'm an idiot. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm a loser. I'm not that smart. I'm not that pretty. That's what our brain is telling us all the time. So to recognize what you are good at is actually harder to do. Absolutely. And once you recognize it, I know that the more you acknowledge your strengths, the better off you're going to feel about you. But also sometimes those strengths come out of our flaws. Of course. Yeah, of course. Also, you just said something that made me think of something and now I've lost the train of it, the strain, what, what I was going to say, but you also are going to have good days and not good days. Yeah. Or you're going to look at other people's, you're going to look at other people's good days and judge them against your bad days. Yeah. And that's, that's like a problem that a lot of my clients have. Social media has everybody just showing their most amazing days. And when my 
clients who are depressed are thumbing through social media, they mm -hmm. think everyone's life is better than theirs. And what they're doing is that they're comparing a moment that somebody shot a good picture. They could have been miserable or fighting with the person that they're hugging at that moment. Yeah. And you're comparing your bad feelings and your bad days against a snapshot of a moment. Yeah. yeah. And, and comparison between people and, and what we do and what we have is a recipe for disaster. No matter what side of the yes. issue you fall on, eventually it's just not going, it's not going to be comfortable. So we're better off just to well, not. You're either comparing yourself. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You're either comparing yourself and coming up short or you're yeah. comparing yourself and thinking you're better than somebody else. So neither one of those are sustainable. Exactly. Stop comparing. Compar Absolutely. comparison or something. Oh, yeah. I, I can remember when um, when our kids were little, we had a children's wear store. Well, the, the kids weren't that little. My daughter was uh, 14 uh, when we started. My daughter, math was not her strong suit, but she's an incredible artist who just has an eye mm -hmm. for great visuals. And her brother, who was nine years younger, is a math whiz. He would take the receipts at the end of the day and play with the, the MasterCard machine to tally things up because he loved the tech. And he, I don't remember what exactly they were doing, but he basically called her out for not being good in math. Mm. And I said, you know what? First of all, you have no right to compare to your sister, because every single human being has something that they are extremely good at. You may not see it, you may not know it, you may never find out, but I guarantee they have something that you do not. That's their strength. Right. So putting yours out there, in the end, is just going to make you look silly. Right. That's actually another shadow belief is that um, I shouldn't shine bigger than my parents or I shouldn't outshine a sibling. That's another shadow belief. Wow. Wow. That holds people back. Oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Then I did the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, see, you never know. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Well, one I'm, more thing I'm, about that, though, because hopefully you come back in just a moment. I can get you back. Uh, you are froze. Oh, okay. You froze for a moment there. I know you were totally gone. So yeah, you you had totally. It's okay. I'm I'm. Go ahead, and you can start again. 
where you were saying we were talking about the shadow belief because yeah so my kids have my grown sons are 36 and 40 and they've done a lot of shadow work and some of the things that they will tell me are beliefs of their be thinking your that's what you made that mean so we can't judge it's their interpretation there's yes. no right or wrong so I do a lot of coaching of like my friends, children, and I'll have to say to them, you know, grown children, like in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. And I'll listen, tell me all kinds of things. And I, I've been on the other end of that because I've known people who coached, you know, my kids. So you can't believe it. You just have to let it all be. And whatever it is, is going to be, you know, fine. Yeah. And you do so many different things and, and have so many uh, different options for people. I, I really thank you very much because today you're letting people try the free toolbox to self-love. And we have the URL at the bottom of the screen. So you'll be able to take that and go check out the toolbox to self-love. Um, I'll just leave that up on the screen while we keep talking but that will uh, give people something to take away with them. And thank you very much, Nancy. I really do appreciate that. So if you could go back to when you were a child, what would be one good thing you could tell yourself that would help you grow up maybe with a better handle on your shadow self? Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. Uh, to trust in myself and learn to be self-referenced, learn to love myself and not look outside myself to be <sighs> loved. So go, going inside for that self-love rather than looking outside of ourselves, which is something I think we all tend to do. It would definitely be better for all yeah, of us. Well, right. To learn to love ourselves first and make ourselves a priority. And that selfish is not a bad word and selfless is not a good word. Oh, I like that. Then... There needs to be balanced. Balance. That's that's important. And sometimes people talk about, you know, balancing your life and what have you. I don't think that's quite as attainable, but I think balancing ourselves is much more important. Yes, it's a lot of work. I mean, I very self-reference. So when my husband wanted out of my marriage, or if you lose a loved one, you don't know where you stand in the world. And if somebody doesn't want you anymore or leaves you, then you think you're you're just you're all over the place. So learning to love yourself and trust yourself and become self-honor, respect yourself and what your needs are is the best thing you can do. 
Absolutely. And I think that's a really important lesson that we don't get as children, that we need to love ourselves first. Right. Right. Because we're always looking out there. What does mommy think about us? What does daddy think about us? You know, what are our siblings? What are our teachers? We judge ourselves on how other people see us. And mm -hmm. we need to do better work at helping judge ourselves on how they see themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's really important. And I think I think that's something that needs to start really early. You know, we, as parents, yeah. that's what we need to be teaching our children. But I think it, it needs to be part of the curriculum in school as well. No, I agree. Thank you. I really, I really appreciate that. We've had a couple of little, a little glitches where we're kind of coming in and out, but uh, yeah, on the whole, I, I can't thank you enough for all of the wonderful information that you've given us today. It's important going forward for the audience to know that there's always help out there. There's lots of places you can turn. Uh, you can start with Nancy's free toolbox to self-love, and we will have all the links available so that you can contact Nancy as well if you're ready to do the shadow work. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Nancy Picard is, well, you heard the whole bio. She is pretty incredible. Mm. I can't wait to see what you're going to do in the next few years, because I bet it'll be something amazing. Thank you. I, thank you so much for joining me, Nancy. And I look forward to the next time we get to talk. In the meantime, make the very most mm -hmm. of your today every day. And we'll Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results.